Gretzky controlling it inside the blue line. Gretzky gets it. He shoots. He scores. Just a one-man show. Wayne Gretzky. Up the boards. Can't get it out. Sweeney blasts for it. Welcome to the Canada Fans World Junior Tour Podcast. I'm Bryn Griffiths along with Paul Almeida. How you doing? Great. Great weather in Edmonton today. Pretty spectacular. I hope they're bottling this. I'm in- still waiting for winter. Yeah, I, I just I just hope they bottle it and have it ready for next year. That's all. That's when we are planning on having people <laughs> here. You know, it's, it's really. That's right. You know, it's funny. You know what? It didn't mean as much when this event started not having fans in the seats. But now we're getting closer to, you know, we're down to our final four. So we're a couple of nights away from getting to our gold medal matchup. And it's going to, I think that's really when it's going to hit in for me is uh, the fact that there's no fans here. So all I'm doing is thinking about next year and how the seats will be full, hopefully. In the meantime, Paul, we're down to four teams. And it's the four teams that we actually thought were going to get there. But the games, wow, they were close. Well, they were all close, and uh, we were hoping that maybe two or three were going to be close, and uh, I don't think there were any easy touches. The U.S. probably had the easiest time, but even then, for most of that game, it was back and forth, and the U.S. Uh, you know, were within a goal or two against of being in trouble. Well, let's take a look at the quarterfinal matchups. We had Russia taking on Germany. We talked about how, how much of a step forward the Germans were taking as this progressed. There's still a few naysayers out there that are wondering why they're even there, but I, I like the way they played the Russians, and it was one of those games where they just hung around, hung around, and were a crossbar away, really, from maybe sending it even to overtime. Yeah, they got to be extremely happy and excited with the way that the tournament started for them, considering the way that it's the the, the way it started uh, with the uh, positive tests, missing players, having a lineup that wasn't uh, you know full, maybe only. 16 players, 14 skaters at some points, and then to end the tournament on a high note like they did, first of all, qualifying for the first time for the quarterfinals for Germany. And uh, I thought they played very well. And the goal that really is going to come back and, in their minds, haunt them is the uh, Ponomarayov goal, the shorthanded goal in the first period. And uh, that one put them, you know, behind the eight ball, and they never really caught up after that. The, the Russians were really good, uh, but uh, Germany, you got to give them credit. That one line carried them, and Eliash scored, then he hit the crossbar late, as you mentioned, but uh, you look at that one line with Stutzla, Paterka, and Eliash, you start to wonder, if they would have had another line of guys that could have chipped in here or there, yeah, they might have won another game or two, and Bugle in goal was good against the Russians, and uh, they have nothing but to be happy about uh, uh, what they did at the World Juniors here, and for Russia, they did what they had to. That's the bottom line. They did what they had to to move on to the semifinals. They have a very good team, a deep team, and uh, you know we'll see how they do in the semifinals. And for you know Stutzla, who was absolutely fantastic in this tournament, 
he goes to Ottawa, and I'm really excited to see what he does in the NHL this year. Okay, Sweden and Finland. Those two teams don't like each other. Those two countries don't like each other, yet it's a big brother, little brother situation with both of them. Yeah. But still, it, uh, it, it's another one of those games where we, uh, we had talked about the fact that if the Finns were going to have a shot at winning that game, they really they didn't have, you know, fine might not have been a really good option for them, yet they, uh, they did a nice job of bouncing back. Yeah, it was 2 nothing after one. Um, that Lucas Raymond on Sweden is a great player. I mean, he's going to be a really, really good player in the NHL. And uh, when it was 2 nothing, you started to say, well, maybe. But, you know, those Finns, they, they turn it up when they have to. And they play a different game when the game is on the line. We talked about them in elimination games and how they rise to the occasion. And there's a Finnish word for that called sisu, which is to find your inner strength. And it's a, a unique Finnish word, you know, and it, it, it's something that, you know, they look uh, as a part of their national identity, that when times are tough, they find an inner strength to struggle through and find their way. And in the second period, they got, uh, you know, that one goal by Niskanen, and uh, that set up that third period. And in that third period, you know, Finland took over, I thought, for a lot of that period, and some of the second as well. And they started off well. The Swedes kind of you know, held off the Finns for a while, then got their two goals. And then in the second period, the Finns started to come on again. And then the third period at the end, they really pushed hard and they got two goals in the last 10. Uh, Lindell is a great player. Yes. And their power play is the second best in the tournament. And then the final goal was a shocker. You know, you thought for sure this was going to overtime. And Hirvonen goes around the net, does the wraparound, and just tucks it in the far corner with 25 seconds left. And for Sweden... Man, you know, worst PK in the tournament, and uh, yeah, no, three straight losses to end the championship. So let's just touch the power know, play for them. That's that's a tough one to swallow. We always talk about how important the power play is, and if you're not one or two in power plays, you usually don't win the gold. But yeah, I was really disappointed in their PK. I I don't know what happened there, but uh, we also have to take a look at the coaching situation. With uh, and they, that's just they did not have their regular guy. So perhaps there's uh, there's I don't like using the word excuse, but that may have been may have been one of the one of the reasons, and there were more than one why why Sweden's going home and Finland's moving on. So uh, you know, it was just it, it was it was it I it's hard to say what happened. Like what what, what yeah. where, where was the turning point? Uh, in, well, Broberg in getting hurt didn't help. Yeah, Broberg getting hurt didn't help. Um, their goaltending was up and down. And, uh, you know, if you remember in that one game against the States, again, we go back to coaching. Should the coach have called a timeout? Should he have pulled his goaltender when it was 2 nothing from those two early bad shots? Yeah. Um, you know, on the other side for Sweden, I thought Soderblom, the big, tall kid that's a Detroit draft pick, was absolutely he, – he was very visible in all their games. And uh, that guy can move for a big guy. That's a very good late-round pick by the Detroit Red Wings. Okay, let's uh, let's move on. Let's talk about Canada and the Czech Republic. That was another game we talked about where the Czechs, if they weren't having any any thoughts of beating Canada, had to get the lead. Never got it, and two early goals by Canada, and it it uh, it, it uh, that kind of put it away. But it just it wasn't the best effort out of Canada. Czechs played well, but you know sometimes yeah, it wasn't sometimes, comfortable. You, sometimes you come down to your opposition a little bit, and also they played such a great game the game before that I was wondering how much is Canada going to have in, in them. 
while their next matchup is going to bring their best level of game forward. I'm not too concerned about uh, how they played this one and how they won it. The bottom line is they won it. Yeah, they won it. Uh, the Cousins goal on that uh, law pass by McMichael is really good. Uh, Cousins, 13 points in the tournament now, tying Ryan Nugent Hopkins uh, when uh, he went to the tournament. Uh, what can you say about Byram and Drys- uh, Drysdale that hasn't been said already? Those two guys control the game when they're on the ice. And there wasn't a lot of room on the ice yesterday, but you know the Czechs, they created some chances, probably some of the most chances that we've seen against Canada in this tournament. But the problem for the Czechs is that they just don't score goals. No. They only scored 10 goals in the whole World Juniors, and that includes a 7 nothing win against the Austrians. So three goals in the other four games is just not going to cut it. They had good chances. They had some good players, but they did not have a player like a Pasternak that can put the puck away. You know, one of their guys that they've had in the past that is a, a big finisher, they didn't have it. And you could see that they had decent chances, but they just couldn't find a way to finish them off. And for Canada, again, they did what they had to. They grinded the game out. They played well. Uh, Devin Levi was great in net with 29 saves. And I thought Malik for the Czech Republic was good. Let's stop there for a second with uh, Devin Levi, because so often when we watch this event and we talk about the Canadian net miners, why are we doing it? Because we're disappointed. Mm -hmm. He's been lights out fantastic, I think, through this event. And we've had no real reason to talk about him because... We're still waiting for that bad soft goal that we always see at this at this event because these are junior players and that kind of thing. But I think he's been great. Well, Brent, coming to as long as I can remember, any world juniors before the tournament even starts, nobody questions Canada's forwards. No. Nobody questions their defense. They only no. question one thing. It's a goalie. And that's the goaltender. Yeah. And in this tournament, Granted, like you said, he hasn't been busy, but he was he was good last night, and he had some quality shots on him last night. And now we're going to see against the Russians how he does, but I don't think they were, Team Canada could ask anything more from their goaltender than what they've got that far, you, thus far. You, you and I have watched enough junior hockey away from this event to know that you don't have to, uh, you don't have to be busy. You just have to be ready, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter how many shots you get. You have to be ready for that one. And sometimes right. we, we've watched Canadian netminders struggle a little bit because they're not getting any activity at their end, and it comes down to their one opportunity, the opposition's, and it goes in, and that's when we're questioning everything. I just think he's had great focus through the entire tournament so far. Well, you, you talk about that one, that save he made with his pad, yeah. where the puck just you know, was right under his skates where he trapped it there. That's the save he needed at that point of the game. If that goes in, the game is different. So you're right. He's made the saves when he's had to, and that's all you could ask of your goaltender. The late game featured the Americans taking on Slovakia. We thought this would be a little bit of a stretch, and it was. I mean, it was a 5-2 victory for the U.S., and right now they look pretty good. They have a lot of weapons. And uh, Farinacci had two goals. Zegras, two assists. He leads the World Juniors in scoring with 15 points. Uh, he had a bit of an injury. He went out for a little while yesterday, which is a bit of a concern for the States, but he did come back, so he should be fine for the semifinals. The shots, 43-18, you know, obviously favored the United States, and, and that was probably the most lopsided we've seen of the games yesterday. Uh, one thing of note, the World Junior record for shutout streak, 218 minutes and 53 seconds by the United States, was snapped when uh, Kaslik from uh, Slovakia scored on night. And uh, 
the one thing that we talked about the Slovaks before the tournament started, Bryn, is that they have 14 players that they can return next year to the tournament. Yeah. And Lakowski, the goaltender, was fabulous again yesterday. Uh, he was great a couple of times in the tournament. And the, their other goaltender was good as well. But the, the two guys that stood out for me were the 0-4s that we talked about before the tournament started. That Nemets on defense. That guy's a beast. I know. He played over 20 minutes every single game. He was their best defenseman. And Slavovsky got stronger, I thought, as the tournament went on. And he didn't look out of place. And he's the kid that was 6'4", 219 pounds or something. Slovaks get to bring all these kids back next year. They're going to be comfortable with Edmonton. They're going to be comfortable with the arena. They're going to be comfortable playing in this tournament. I think the Slovaks might surprise next year. Okay, let's uh, let's focus ahead to the games that are being played on Monday, and we're down to semifinals. The four o'clock game features oh boy, it's Canada against Russia, and of course these two teams squared off in the final last year and presented us with one of the greater games of all times at this event. And I don't know yep. how they're going to top it, but Canada won it last year four three. Can they do the same this time around? Well, let's hope and. Uh... You know, let's not forget that in the preliminary round last year, it was 6 nothing for Russia. Yeah. And uh, we were a little bit concerned going into the finals. But I don't think we talked about it again. I don't think this Russian team's got the explosive offense that we saw to that Russian team last year. But they do have a line that is really good. That uh, Huznudetov, uh, Podkolzin, and Amarov have been their top line, and they're starting to click. Yep. And they have some depth. That uh, Ponomarayov that scored the shorthanded goal against uh, the Germans has been, you know, getting uh, some chances and starting to play really well. And then we talked again about before the tournament started about Yaroslav Askarov. And he's been up and down this tournament, but we only need to see him at his best in one game. And that could win that game for them. And uh, one concern for Canada, Newhook left the game against Finland with an upper body injury. We don't know if he's going to be playing or not. So they've had to shuffle the lines a little bit, but I have to give it to Canada's coach. Every time he shuffled the lines, it's come out roses for him and the team finds ways to score. And they played each other pre-tournament one, nothing for Canada. So, you know, that's pre-tournament. That's doesn't mean anything now, but it was a close game then low scoring. And I think to, for Russia to have a chance to beat Canada, it's going to have to be a low scoring game because I don't think Russia can score three, four, or five goals against Canada. Hey, let's put the whammy on the Russians because we're in Canada doing this podcast here. Huh? Now moved ahead. In comes Tom to the check. Luther Betty scores. Kill Thomas has given Canada the lead. With less than four minutes to go in the third period. You know what? I think I was in and a And did we of, jump when that goal happened? I think I was in a dream world through that game because, you know what? I went back and I watched the whole game from start to finish only a couple of months ago. So that would have been early November. I completely forgot about how how down Canada was and it, it really looked bleak mm-hmm. there for a while. Because at the arena, I don't think we ever viewed it that way. It just seemed like these were two competitive teams, two heavyweight champs slugging it out. And how it went the way it did, it's just it was Canada's day, but it didn't look that uh, promising midway through the third period. Well, I think what you're... You know, your memory going back to how we felt during that game, I think speaks to the atmosphere of being live at a world junior game like that. 
and sitting right the, in the middle atmosphere of, gets to you and sitting right in the middle of the Russian parents section. Nice going with those ticket selections. <laughs> Thank you. That was, uh, that, you know what though? That I, and I've said this before that made it even more special. Not that I was going to rub it in or, any, or anything with the parents who were around, but you could really see how much it hurt. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, when we've watched Canada lose, it hurts a little bit because we, we want to win, but man, I sure saw it through their eyes sitting in that section. Did I jump up on the Canada goals? Absolutely, I did. But I didn't go, yeah, yeah, in your face. I mean, there was yeah. a, there was no reason to do that. And I had the craziest conversations with the Russian people around me who could barely speak English. But somehow we were communicating through the game of hockey, and I loved that. And that's that might be the biggest takeaway for me watching the games in person was that, yep. that one experience in that gold medal game for me was really, really special. Well, and the thing is that those World Junior Games, Bryn, we have fans there from other teams from all over the world. Yeah. And you see their exuberance for the game and how they love the game as much as we do. And uh, the atmosphere in that game, when you're watching it, you're so invested in it shift by shift that you kind of miss a lot of what's happening on the ice because you're just so focused on, we got to get that goal or, you know, we got to get that win, or you're focused on the clock, man, we're losing time here. We're running out of time in this game. Well, the crowd has lost its energy. uh, The crowd's not with it right now. They're down. Oh, yeah, there's all sorts of different issues. You're right. Yeah, and you have people around you talking to you and asking questions and excited, you know, and, you know, it's it's almost like sensory overload Mm -hmm. at that point in the tournament because you realize everything's on the line. Everybody around you is nervous. So you have that nervous energy and, uh, and then when Canada scored, it's just like a, a huge relief and, uh, you know, it is, it's a huge relief and it's like a, a release of energy of, that you've had bottled up all game long. And, you know, it's just like a, you're allowed to exhale, you know what I mean? But it was a, a fantastic game. I'll never forget it. And hopefully we have a game maybe that doesn't equal it, but hopefully matches the occasion because I think those two teams, of course, Russia, Canada's tradition and oldest rival in hockey for sure. Yeah. These games mean something to, to Canadians and to Russians. Well, I mentioned this to you that the, the couple that were sitting to my right watching the game and I, I, I'm not big on stereotyping nationalities, but the, uh, the husband had the big square jaw. He looked very Russian, right? What you'd mm-hmm. expect out of a Russian and when he stood up, he must have been about 6'5". That kind of tempered my enthusiasm just a little. <laughs> uh, but nonetheless, I still was able to cheer for Canada. And his wife, beautiful woman, just beautiful, had the fur coat type of thing. It's exactly mm-hmm. what you would expect. You know, we all yep. talk about what we've seen in the movies. But Vodka, vodka and the jacket. I, you know what? I don't know if there was. If there was, it wasn't shared. But then, <laughs> but nonetheless, the, the thing that, that I that I enjoyed was that uh, I like to stand up during the intermission just to stretch my legs, get that blood flowing just a little bit. And so in the first intermission, you talk to them a little bit and you could understand that. I, I don't think the wife was able to understand English at all, but the, the father of one of the Russian players was, and you're able to start to communicate a little bit and big hugs at the end of the game. I just, to me, it's just, wow, it's just so special. That's the one thing that, uh, that I would never experience at a Stanley cup final. And I've covered enough of those. And yep. uh, it was just anyway. It was it was it was spectacular. But I'm very much looking forward to 
to the uh, Canada-Russia game coming up Monday at 4. Let's talk quickly about the second semifinal. 7.30 start Edmonton time and Mountain time, and it's the U.S. and Finland. Well, Finland's got their work cut out for them. Can they beat the Americans? Yeah, they can, but they're going to have yeah, to be can. ready. They're going to have to be really ready for this one. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the funny thing is you have Canada against Russia, the finalists in last year's World Juniors. In the other semifinal, you have the finalists of the 2019 World Juniors in Vancouver two years ago where Finland won the gold 3-2. to two. And similar circumstances where, where Capocacco scored the goal with 126 left. Not much different than when Akil Thomas scored for Canada with 358 left. So these countries over the last few years have been very evenly matched. And we talked uh, about Heinle possibly being hurt for Finland. He played 27-plus minutes in that quarterfinal game on defense against Sweden. And uh, I agree with you. The USA, the one thing they can't do is if they get a lead, they can't sit back like Sweden did because no. you're playing with fire. And if you're inviting the, the, the Finns to come at you and you give them space and you let them get that Sisu going, it's going to be trouble. And if I'm coaching the United States, I want to get on the Finns early. I don't want the Finns to take the game to me because if the Finns get a lead, they're going to bottle everything up and you're going to have a hell of a time getting goals against the Finns. And then they're going to counterattack when you're starting to take chances to get goals. So in the preseason game, it was 3-2 USA. Caulfield got two goals. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game as well. I think it has to be for the Finns because I don't think they have the offense that the United States has. Right. But if I'm the United States, I'm hoping I can get a goal or two early and keep the pressure on because if, if you give the, the Finns an op- uh, a crack in the door, they're going to kick it down. The other thing, too, they're playing with house money here. Nobody is really expecting them to beat the Americans. If they do, they'll take on either Canada or Russia. Nobody's going to be expecting them to win nope. that either. So the pressure is now off. And the other thing, too, they beat their big-time rivals in Sweden. So that's a huge victory already for them coming away from this event. Okay, so we've kind of set the table for the semifinal games. I was just looking back to where we were a year ago today, and it was uh, it was a... It was a really powerful day, Paul. Yeah. And we, we left really early. And, uh, was it 4.30 or 5.30 in the morning? I think 4.30. It was something like that. It was really, really early because we had to be at Auschwitz in the morning for, because we had such a large group going. We had to be there early for them to accommodate our group uh, at the concentration camp to be able to do the tour in the required time. So we had to leave really early, which was, it was okay. I mean, we, we slept a little bit on the bus on the way there, but uh, I've been to a lot of places in my life, Bryn. I've been to, uh, you know, Terezin. I've been to Dachau, but uh, it's nothing like uh, Auschwitz-Birkenau. Nothing like that. I mean, the, you walk in there, you feel somber. Um, some of the things you see are shocking and disappointing at the same time that anything like that ever happened. And, uh, the horrors that went through that place I, are unimaginable. And uh, it's something that I'll never get out of my mind and hopefully something that we never see again. See, I had all the same emotions you did, but there's one other emotion that went through my head while we were there. And that was the absolute synchronicity and the um, the execution is a horrible word to use. And pardon me for using it, but 
the way everything w- transpired, it, it ran like clockwork, like it was a, a, a machine. Yeah. The way it ran, yeah. and it was just, uh, it was just so numbing to me to be there. But it's left such an impression that, well, which is exactly what you'd hope it would do, that you never yeah. want to see anything like that ever happen again. So it, it was, uh, it was, uh, it was a very sobering morning, and uh, I felt like I learned an awful lot. I thought I knew a lot before I went. But there's something about history coming alive when you walk the streets or walk the various paths of wherever you are and you recognize that this did happen here or this did happen there, which is why Europe is such a fascinating place for me. Because if you've uh, done your history work on anything, there's something special about standing on a spot where you know something happened. And that was just was just so, so surreal. Then in the afternoon, we spent a wonderful, delightful day at Krakow. In Poland, I yeah, I, I gotta tell what a you, beautiful right now, square. It was just a contrast in days. We you know we went from this heaviness in the morning to a wonderful city with welcoming people. That uh, I just like I said, it, it was a highlight day for me in a lot of ways. But boy, uh, Poland really put on a fine show in the afternoon as well. And the weather was great. Yeah, it was a fantastic afternoon. Uh, the market was still up. Their Christmas market was still there. Unbelievable market. I mean, I made the mistake, Bryn, uh, just before I got to the square, we stepped into a restaurant to have lunch. I saw you guys. I think you invited us and we, we declined because we had, we, we thought, you know what, let's do something different on this trip and let's go get, uh, like, a a, a big sausage on a bun. Oh, hang on. We did that every day. <laughs> But, you know, we got to that square afterwards, the the market's a beautiful market there, by the way, the building, the churches on the, the church on the end with the red brick is fantastic. Huge open square. All the little kiosks are still there. The wooden kiosks from the Christmas markets. And we walked past this one and it must've had 20 different soups for it. Oh, I'm I've in. never seen anything like it. And they all look good. And I, I was kicking myself because I just ate, you know, at an Italian restaurant, believe it or not, it was Italian Polish. We had Italian Polish food. And, uh, then I'm kicking myself because yeah, you pass by there, you see all the barbecue pits with all the nice sausages and, and, and meats and and things that you would love to try. And then I was really intrigued by those soups because I'd never seen. And, and the, the different types of soups they have, they were amazing. When you just read them, your your mouth is watering. You're like, Oh my God, I'd like to try that. I want to try that. I want to try that. And, uh, I found the people there very welcoming as well. Very nice people. You know, we walked into a couple of shops. We walked around the square. People said, hello. Yeah. Um, I really, really enjoyed Poland and I would go back there anytime. I did consider stopping at the soup kiosk. However, I, I, I've been scarred for life after an episode in San Francisco at Fisherman's Wharf, getting a bowl Uh-oh. of clam chowder in, you know, of course in a bread bowl. And when I took mm-hmm. it out, I got attacked by seagulls. They, oh, they, they swooped right in and I, I almost burned my hand. So I decided I didn't want to see a repeat of that. So I went to the old standard uh, sausage on a bun in the town nice. square. Anyway, it was, uh, like I said, it was an amazing, amazing day. And uh, you know what? It's not like we just sit around the hotel and do nothing no. on off days. That's exactly the classic example of, of what you've always made sure that people have had options on quiet days. Yeah. And it's uh like you said, it's a day that I won't soon forget, you know, simply because of the morning with Auschwitz and everything else. 
Um, and then the afternoon going to a country I'd, I had never been to Poland before. So going to Krakow was something new for me. And I, like I say, I really, really enjoyed Krakow and I would go back to Poland anytime. But yeah, we, on our trips, we try to make it more than just the hockey. The hockey is why we're there. Oh yeah. We're going to watch 12 to 14 games, but you got to have other things to do as well. And when you're there, you want to learn about the country. You want to learn about the history. You want to come home and say, I saw this, I saw that. That's what it's about going to a world juniors in a different country. Hey, we've got a contest going on and there's uh, two prizes up for grabs. Tell everybody. Well, there's a Pierre Luc Dubois Jersey signed, uh, by, by him, a Team Canada jersey, and it's uh, compliments of pandemonium.ca. And then we also have a Grant Fear autographed photo that's framed, an 8 by 10 but the frame is much bigger, about 16 by 15 So two great prizes we're going to be giving away on our last podcast after the gold medal game. And uh, we've already had, a, we're already close to 200 entries, believe it or not. Wow. It's crazy. And uh, we get about 15 to 20 a day uh, since the first day. So I bet you we're going to be close to 300 by the time it's all over. Um, you could see it on our Twitter page, Azercan Global, Azercan Tours, or you can go to our Facebook page, the Azercan World Junior Facebook uh, Facebook page. Uh, so you could find it all there, and you can also find it on our website, azercan.net. Plus, you can also find information on Russia 2023 and Sweden 2024. We're getting a lot of questions from people already about Russia 2023, especially because that's the first one. And people are wondering, you know, where are we going? What are we doing in between? What are we doing there? We already have a web page up for that, that you can go to and you can look and we have some early information on there. Obviously we're going to be adding things. We're going to be changing a couple of things on there as we get more information, but it should give you a very good idea of what we have in mind to do for that tour. And we're only, 11 months away, Bryn, from hopefully, and I say hopefully, depending on this pandemic, being able to have a get-together where we can launch our trip to Russia 2023 and be able to explain to everybody exactly what we're going to be doing on that tour. Hey, and one other thing, and this is what I'm finding out from people I talk to about the Russia tour, which we, we didn't know how many people would even be interested in it. Okay, so if we're thinking about St. Petersburg and we're thinking about Moscow and we're thinking about the World Juniors, if you've ever wanted to go to Russia, I can't think it'd be more fun than going with a bunch of Canadian people, right? So we're going as a pack or as a unit, right? It's not like you're, you know, yep. I know some people like to go off and travel on their own and you can still do that on off days if you want, but this is an opportunity to see some of Russia and do it with people. It's safe and we'll have a lot of fun. So, hey, one other thing too, back to the, uh, the, uh, the jersey that we have up for grabs, a big thank you to Warren Suter too, right? Yes. Yep. From pandemonium.ca. Um, it's a beautiful Jersey. Uh, you know, team Canada, red Jersey autographed on the back on the number by Pierre Luc Dubois. Um, I think a lot of people would like to have that in their man cave. Okay. Let's quickly talk about Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday here. So obviously we have the semifinals Monday. We'll have a, we'll, we'll have obviously a post game semifinal, uh, podcast i'm not sure if we'll be doing it late on monday night or early on tuesday morning we'll see probably early tuesday yeah probably be, early tuesday morning which will lead us into the gold medal game which is on yep. what, do you have the time the start time on that one on the gold medal game? um i don't in front of me I but th- i believe that the gold medal game will be the second game of the evening yeah. so it should be probably a seven o'clock game or maybe it might be even earlier the 
the silver medal game maybe earlier in the afternoon. So what will or, sorry, up, the bronze medal game? We will end up on on the Tuesday doing two podcasts because I think we we need to be nice and fresh for everybody right after the gold medal game, and we'll get that out to you yeah. as fast as we possibly can. Anyway, that's about it. Enjoy the rest of your day off and relax. I know you were baking cookies before I got a hold of you to do this, and I think that's really nice of you. <laughs> to kind of, you know, be helping out around the house. It's really a great thing. Yeah, so, I'll drop off a batch for you perfect. in your mailbox. Per- <laughs> There's a slot. You can put them through one by one. Anyway, one at a time. Uh, yeah, exactly. I'm sure, I'm sure Jax will be on the other side. Uh, he will really like those. Dogs, uh, do- they, know when, they know when the jig is up. So, hey, listen, thanks, and we'll talk to you in the next one, and we're getting closer and closer. Oh, by the way, minus 35 in Siberia right now. Nice. Uh, the daytime high uh, tomorrow is a balmy minus 27. That's the daytime high. Anyway, okay. two years away. Yet. We'll get there. Paul, thanks. We'll talk to you. Uh, we'll talk to you after the semis. Absolutely. They're trying to turn the lights.